Uh, Today is another great one. We're answering the question, how do I handle spiritual warfare? And what I like about this being a message that you asked for is that I don't have to spend too much time convincing you that spiritual warfare is real uh, because you asked for it and you know, and I get to just jump in and ask the question, does the Bible address spiritual warfare? Does it address uh, things behind other things? Does it talk about the devil? Does it talk about the enemy? And the answer is absolutely yes. The Bible talks about spiritual warfare. In fact, the Bible is tremendously comfortable addressing the topic because it's a normal topic in the Bible because it is a reality of life. We're dealing with things. Things are going on. There are things that are happening around us that are beyond just human nature. They're beyond uh, just social issues. There's something going on. There's a war, spiritual war taking place. And the evil, the violence, the pain that is on display around the world and that we experience in our lives is the visible, tangible, physical result of an invisible war. But it's not all bad news because it's also true with the good, the peace, the joy we experience in our lives is the visible, tangible result of an invisible war. And God is going to help us make sense of that today. I will tell you that in our time together today, I am just skipping the surface of what the Bible has to say on this subject. And if you leave here today wanting more, I want to recommend a small group study to you. It's called The Invisible War. It's by Chip Ingram. He recorded it uh, several years ago, and it's kind of become a classic study on spiritual warfare. And it's, it's on Right Now Media. It'd be a great thing to watch, great thing for your small group to go through. But I wanted to recommend something because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Books, movies, blogs, documentaries, reports, websites dedicated. I mean, in fact, a lot of times it's even more than misinformation. It's designed to lead you away from God's word. And this is a topic you got to get right. You got to handle this one right. I believe God's going to help us today. It's going to be something that'll help us on any given weekday. Maybe you feel like there's something going on in your life. It's beyond just a bad week, beyond just a bad year. I believe God's going to bring hope and healing and power. Um, And just like in a meal, when a family sits down for a meal together, there may be some tough chewing along the way, but we'll all enjoy a a big, wonderful dessert at the end. And you can't even even talk about spiritual warfare uh, without being tethered to the text of Ephesians 6. And this is where Paul describes in the big picture a window into what happens beyond the curtain of the natural. And I would like to point out to you that Paul does this in a calm, comfortable way. He's not panicked. He's not crazy. He's not weird. He just explains the battle we're in. It's in the last chapter of Ephesians, verse 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against. And some of you feel like there is something coming against you. Like there's, there's something coming against my family. There's something coming against my parents. There's something coming against my marriage, my kids. There's something coming against the way I'm thinking. There's something that's coming against my ability to learn this. There's, there's something coming against my school or my team. And, and it's beyond coincidence. It's beyond just how the cards are dealt. There's something against us. And the Bible tells us what that is. 
It says the devil's schemes. And isn't it just amazing? It just says the devil. Just lays it out there. Paul doesn't go, ah, the devil! The devil's among us! He gives a Greek word here that the meaning is liar and slanderer. And, and the, the word schemes, for me, it's where we get method. So the devil's a liar and a slanderer, and he has these methods, and he's incredibly crafty, and he's trying to find just the right strategy of how can I work against this person? What's just the right strategy to, what's the right method to, to get to this person? And Paul goes on and he says, that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now sometimes we feel like the struggle is against flesh and blood because there are some people in our lives who are crazy. They're crazy. Some of them, they ain't got no sense and they're mean and they're nasty to us. And, and he says, you know that Sometimes it's not just them. It's something behind them. Pastors talked about this before. You know, I love it when he preaches on marriage. He says, you know, the battle, the battle in your marriage is you keep fighting against the other person, but really the struggle isn't against flesh and blood. And it's not against other people. It's something that's, that's out to work, the Bible says, to devour you, to sabotage, to liar, to slant, to be a slanderer in, in your marriage or in your friendships. And he says, but against, it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, you can still stand. Ephesians is very eye-opening, gives us this window into the spiritual. And that the devil is real and there's spiritual forces coming against us. Peter, the disciple, said, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Jesus says, I have come to give life to the full, life abundantly. But there is one who steals and kills and, and destroys. And do you believe in the spiritual battle? It's there. Some of you are living life in what I would call an undertow. You're trying to make progress. You're trying to do the right things. You're doing the work. But it's like you stop every once in a while and look around and you haven't made any progress. And people may even, they even come to you and they say, what is the deal? What's going on? Get over it. Come on, let's, let's do this. You say, I, I don't know what the deal is. I'm trying and it's just, it's beyond just a bad season. There's something up. Now the author C.S. Lewis made a, a statement on spiritual warfare that I find tremendously helpful. He says, the problem is most people either overestimate or underestimate spiritual warfare. Where everything is the devil or nothing is the devil. You know, you know that person where everything's the devil? Their car breaks down, devil's under my hood, that's where he lives. <laughs> nothing goes right at work, I work with the devil. He works, he's employed at my job. And, and then you have another person who... This, it's, it's just, Ryla, none of this is real. It's just human nature. It's how people were raised. It's a, it's a mindset. It's not spiritual. C.S. Lewis goes on. He says, funny how the devil likes when we overbelieve or underbelieve. Just don't Bible believe. A few years ago, I went with my dad to India. And 
we flew into Lucknow and he spoke at a pastor's conference in this big city and then and then we took a train overnight into the city of Varanasi and Varanasi is a metropolis built up on one side of the river it's kind of amazing to to see because it's all on one side of the river and then on the other side of the river there's nothing because of a superstition that if you build on that side and and it's a pretty wild city because it's the birthplace of Hinduism, it's the birthplace of Buddhism, and the birthplace of Jainism. And then you also have a Muslim presence that's growing, and then Christianity is also growing. And we pulled in on this overnight train and got off the train, and I'd never really experienced anything like, like it before. I mean, the city itself, but I never experienced, you could just feel the spiritual oppression, it's like it's weighing down on your shoulders. You just feel it kind of like pushing in on you and just, just trying to oppress you. And I remember that the next day we started the pastor's conference and um, the pastors had set up plastic lawn chairs in a circle in a room a little bit smaller than this one. And they're sitting in a circle and they're singing in a language I don't understand, but they're singing hallelujah. And... That's just so amazing because you're in the middle of the city where with all the religions combined and all the gods in each religions combined, you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of gods being worshipped in this city. And we've set up a circle and said, praise be to the one true God, Yahweh. Hallelujah. The devil's power and authority goes no further than this circle. God rules and reigns here. And you might say, amazing story, Ryland. That's India. We're over here. We see the battle every day. I I had this whole thing written up um, about cities in America and times I hear I have felt that oppression again and abortions and suicides and divorce and abuse and debt. And I deleted it all because I figured you have a television and uh, <laughs> you didn't need me to convince you of the problem. You needed a solution. And the solution is not another cable news network or program. It's Jesus Christ. It's Son of God. The power and authority over the devil's schemes and works. And, and he's the maker of heaven and earth. And, and the hope is his church. And I've been in some places in my life where I felt the pull. I was in the undertow. And and, and I wasn't possessed, I wasn't crazy, I just had believed a lie the devil had so cleverly told me. And sometimes you feel like that and you feel like you're too far gone, that you're too far from shore, you're too far away and there's nothing you can do to get back. And, but the reality is Jesus Christ is bigger than any scheme of the devil. He's the champion and he has everything we need and And he has the solution when there's war against me. He said, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And that's what he did when he lived the perfect life. And he died for us on the cross and in our place. And and he rose from the grave. He conquered death and he conquered the devil's works. But the problem is not everybody knows that story yet. And God is good and he's patient. And he says, look, not every people group has had the opportunity to believe that and hear that. So we live in this interim time. In the meantime, in this spiritual war where the devil's trying to oppress that good news and trying to oppress the Christian's life of 
of effectively living and sharing that good news. And we're caught up in this battle for souls. And how do you fight in it? Well, you do it Jesus' way. You do it through Jesus and you do it Jesus' way. And there's no better case study than in Matthew 4, where Jesus is led out into the wilderness. Let's jump into it, Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And he begins with an if. If you are the Son, hmm, we've been wondering about you. Hasn't been proven yet. And he's masquerading as as caring about his physical condition. And he says, look, if you are who you claim to be, just make bread, eat. And I love this. Uh, Satan begins with an if, but Jesus answered it. Satan always begins with an if. Jesus begins with an it. Satan comes and he plants doubt. He opens a window of doubt, plants a seed of doubt. He says, "Mm, I'm not so sure if this is really true. And and it gets cloudy and it's a little hazy. And Jesus steps in and he says, it. And he starts with the truth. He says, it's not cloudy, not hazy. Here's the truth. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil's got to try a different method because he's this strategist. And and he comes back and, and he says, that the devil took him to a holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And if you, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And he's tempting him with the question, will God protect you? And that's one way he comes at us. He says, is God really for you? Does, is God really going to protect you? And then the devil ups it here because he is crafty and here Jesus used the scriptures. So the devil uses the scriptures and he says, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And what he does here is he misquotes scripture, because the only scripture the devil can quote is a misquoted one. He's a liar. He can't tell the truth, so he's gotten amazingly good at making a lie sound a lot like the truth. Jesus answered him and says, well, it is also written... Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Says, all this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. And now he gets to what's really going on. And that's what's really going on is we've talked about it before. There's a war over your worship. There's a war over your devotion. And the devil wants to move your attention, your worship, your devotion from God to self. And he wants you to be devoted to your pain. He wants you to be self-dependent. There's a war over your worship, a war over your devotion. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve him only. And what you find here, and, and as you study the way the devil works, he always does it the same way and he does it within these bookends. All his schemes are within in these bookends of these two concepts that he uses. And he just uses different ways to come at you with them. And it's temptation and accusation. And you need to know this because the Bible says don't be ignorant of his devices. So to illustrate temptation and accusation, 
I borrowed some handcuffs from a detective with the Belton Police uh, Department, but uh, he works against us with temptation. And, it, and, and the broad idea of temptation is to have too high a view of self. So you do things you shouldn't. If you just write that in it, that's the summary, is to have too high a view of self. Number one, temptation shows us the bait and hides the hook. That's how, how he does it. We just talked about that in Trials and Temptations in the book of James, how there's a difference between a trial and a temptation, and you need to know that difference. But temptation is when you have the bait, and then there's a hook inside, and there's someone on the other end of that lure. And temptation, number two, rationalizes our sin as our virtue. We say, oh, it's just the way I am. I'm not greedy. I'm thrifty. I'm not, I'm not nosy. Just very concerned. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just super social. <laughs> Number three, temptation makes a life of sin look like a better life. We see people who, well, they're winning. They're succeeding. They're doing it. They don't have to do it God's way. And we think it looks like a better life. And number four, temptation discourages us by making a godly life look impossible. We say, I just can't live for God. It's too hard. He wants to put temptation on us in different ways. But then he also brings accusation. And the summary of accusation, if you'd write this in, is it's too low of you a self. So you do things you shouldn't. So temptation gives you too high a view of self. Accusation gives you too low a view of self. Number one, accusation causes us to look more at our sin than our Savior. And he'll say, look at what you've done. And the devil will remind you of your sin at the worst time. You'll be out having fun with your family. And it's like this cloud rolls in where the devil just reminds you what you've done and, and who you are and, and you can't enjoy it or or you're in worship and you want to enjoy worship and you want to honor God, but if this cloud rolls in and you're just reminded of your sin and, and you want to take your next step and you think, okay, I'm going to go to growth track or I'm going to study the word, I'm going to read the Bible, but all you can think about is your sin. You're just being reminded of your sin. I love this quote from Martin Luther. And he said, when Satan tells me I'm a sinner, he comforts me immeasurably. Since Christ died for sinners. So go ahead, remind me. Remind me of my sin. Just comforts me in Christ all the more. Because that's exactly who he came to seek and to save. And number two, accusation causes us to think our life is beyond God's help. That we could never have a fresh start. We can never begin again. I'm just always going to be this way. I'm used. I'm tainted. I'm expired. Number three, accusation tells us we are living a punished life and we're driving down the road and our car breaks down and we think, well, God's out to get me or we get a disease or we're debilitated by something and, and the devil says, yeah, you know that thing you would never do? You know that, that God's asked you to do and you wouldn't do it? Well, he's just fed up with you and so now he's given you this and, or God's just... He, he, so, he couldn't get over what you did and now you're punished for it and he's punishing you and that's what the devil tells us. And number four, accusation tells us we must not know God, that we can't know God, that we're too far away. 
And with temptation, the devil hides the holiness of God. And with accusation, he hides the love of God. And without the holiness and the love of God, you cannot have clarity in your life or in your Christian walk. And you're in bondage by accusation and temptation. And you're without, you can't see the holiness and the love of God. And friends, when you're in that situation, being a Christian is absolutely miserable. Because you have this spirit inside of you that wants to be generous, that wants to be hopeful, that wants to be positive, that wants to be a godly man or woman, that wants to be a person of the word, but all you can think about is your sin, and all you can think about is yourself, and you have too high a view of yourself, and you do things you shouldn't, or you have too low a view of yourself, and you're doing things you shouldn't, and it's just miserable, and you can't break out, and you're in bondage, and you can't fulfill your passion, and your purpose, and, and, and you can't, you say, I can never be anything, and I can never really be this godly person and and you come into worship and you want to enjoy it you want to have fun you want to lift your hands and worship to God you want to focus in on his presence and power in your life but you're in bondage and you can never find freedom how do you do it how do you get out how do you handle this warfare that seeks to devour your life here's how we do it number one how you handle spiritual warfare it's number one, you've got to expect it. You've got to expect it. Don't be shocked. Jesus was not surprised when he saw the devil in the wilderness. He didn't go, oh, what are you doing here? Expect it. There's going to be a battle. And when the devil comes at your family, at your household, at your job, don't run around surprised. Expect it. There's going to be a spiritual battle. Stay calm in the power of his might. And that's why we're doing what we're doing here. We're growing in God. We're worshiping today. That's why we're in small groups. That's why we're consistently doing these things because Peter said, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. So we're standing firm. Let's continue in this passage in Ephesians 6. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth. Would you circle truth? buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness, circle righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, circle gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, circle faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation, circle salvation, and the sword of the spirit, circle spirit, which is the word of God, circle the word of God. You don't put your armor on unless you're getting ready to go to a battle. And Paul says, yeah, put it on. Expect it, get ready for the battle. You gotta put, put on your armor every day. Be built up in the gospel. And that's why we come in here every week and and we have an opportunity to put on some truth and be reminded of our, our righteousness through Jesus and be built up in the gospel and put our faith to work and celebrate our salvation and be led by the Spirit and put our roots in the Word of God because we're in a battle. Just expect it. Number two, detect it. Detect it. What's so interesting about spiritual warfare is that our greatest battles normally come after our greatest moments. So Jesus, before he's led out into the wilderness, if you just read through his life, it's one of the most pleasant moments in his life. 
or he's baptized and God speaks out his approval over him, calls him a beloved son. And it's just the most wonderful moment in his life. And then he's led into the wilderness. So don't drop your guard. Don't, don't quit church now that you're blessed. Don't stop praying now that your kids are over that hurdle. Like, keep, keep going. I love it. I love it when I see people in church leaning in. They're, they're on the edge of their seat. Maybe not so much physically, but you can just see it. They're ready. They're ready to honor the word of God. They're, they want to keep building their, they want to grow their roots a, a little bit deeper still. And, and they come in, they don't need a worship leader to say, hey, sing with me before they're already singing because they know that the Bible says you clap your hands all people and lift your hands in the sanctuary and you see them and they come in, they lift their hands because it gives them perspective. And when I lift my hands, God lifts me out and I see perspective and power over my problems and my circumstances. And you see, and they're, they're just leaning in and they're wanting and, and they're hungry. Colossians 2 says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every of every power and authority. So if you want the Holy Spirit, if you want to get to God, you have to go through Jesus Christ. So don't let anyone deceive you. Detect it through Jesus, through his life, through his word. Number three, reject it. And you reject it two ways. And that's through prayer and the word. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Ephesians 6 begins to wrap up this whole subject on spiritual warfare, where Paul says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Keep praying. Keep praying. I spoke with many of you last week, and, and you came and you said, I would love to share my faith with this person or I have shared my faith with this person, and they're just too far. They're just too, they don't understand it. And I try to bring clarity to it, and it's like they just won't see it. They just don't understand it. They're just too far, and I don't know what to do. And my encouragement is to pray. And so often we're like, oh, okay, pray. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm left to that now. But prayer is not our last resort. It's the first line of defense, and if you have someone in your life who is under attack and, and, and they don't, they, they're not hearing you when you share your faith. They don't understand it. That just something won't break through. Their name ought to be on the prayer card every single week. We would love to pray for them with you every week. Their name ought to be in front of your small group in the prayer request time every week. Their name ought to come out of your mouth in prayer to God every day. I could have... Seriously, I could have filled this 30 minutes with story after story after story of people who've given their life to Christ after 10, 20, 30, 40 years of godly people in their life praying for them. Prayer is our first line of defense. 
It's not our last resort. It's not plan B. Then also we reject the enemy the way Jesus did it, with the word of God. And we ought to just adopt this phrase from Jesus where he says, it is written, because it's in that scripture that Jesus said, away from me. There's power in the word. It's amazing how it shuts the door on the devil so well. The enemy comes and says, "Mm, you're really not saved. You ought to have some serious doubts about your salvation. And he opens a window of doubt and he plants this seed of, maybe maybe I'm not saved. But no, you come back with, it is written. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is written as a wonderful response to the enemy because it was in the word that Jesus said, away from me. Prayer and the word. That's why I love our pastor so much. I love our church so much. And I love seeing our church through the 21 days of prayer at the first of the year because it's people who have decided to go to battle with the tools God has given them. And, and, and they, go to, they go into spiritual warfare and they humble themselves before the Lord. And, and it's people who aren't waiting around for a move of God. They've decided, I'm going to be part of the move of God. And yeah, it's early and, and it's hard some days. And, and we get up before God does. And we all get in here and we wake him up together. And it feels like that. And, but it's because we understand we're in a battle. And it's because we understand that the people that we love and we want to see believe and we want to see in heaven are in a battle. And we're going to war. And I love that about our church so much. And we've also got a series we're going to roll out at some point called It Is Written. It's all about the Bible and how we can rely on it, why it's trustworthy, and, and how you can come to really appreciate it so you can use it in your life to reject the enemy, to reject his schemes, so you can come with prayer, as Paul says, and you can come with, it is written, as Jesus said, and, and you can reject the devil's schemes. You can shut the door on the enemy. You can shut the door on the devil. I heard about a, a mom, heard this story recently about how mom, she had some small children, and she's at home, got some toddlers running around, you know, young one on the hip, and she's doing laundry, and, and she's trying to make dinner for her husband and, and clean the house. And, and, you know, she's just got all this going on, but she's hearing a knocking at the door. But she's busy. She's making dinner. Dryer's buzzing, been running all day long. Everything's going on. And finally, the door is just about to break down, pounding. Finally, she goes to the door and opens it up. And a bill collector, right as she opens the door, sticks his finger in her face. And he says, you owe us some money, and we want our money. And she says, okay, if I owe you something, fine. But lean in here a little bit. Let me tell you something. I'm married. I've got a husband. I've taken his name. We've said our vows. I'm in a covenant relationship. He's my priest, my protector, and my provider. If I owe you something, fine, but lean in here. Dog's going crazy. Beans are steaming on the oven. Kids are running around. She says, if I, if I owe you something, fine, but lean, lean in here a little bit. Go see my husband and slams the door on his face and he goes rolling out into the yard. Here's why I love that story. Because the devil's going to come pounding on your door. And he's going to tell you all the things you've done wrong and all your shortcomings. And he's going to accuse you or he's going to tempt you. 
And he's going to say, you owe me something. And you can say, "Mm, I'm in a covenant relationship. (laughs) Jesus bought me with his blood. He's my priest, my provider, my protector. So if I owe you something, fine, go see Jesus and slam the door. Reject the schemes. You don't have to play around with them. You don't have to entertain them. The devil's got to go to Jesus to get to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that in our darkest hour, we are still not alone. And when we feel like everything is waging war against us, some feel like they're losing the battle, the devil's schemes are breaking out against their life. I pray that in the name of Jesus and through the power of his word and work, we break that power. Church, I just wanted to close praying a prayer over you out of our Pray First booklet. It's on the armor of God. It's a spiritual warfare prayer. It says, thank you, Lord, for my salvation. I receive it in a new and fresh way. And I declare that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ and the place I have in your kingdom. I wear your righteousness today against all condemnation and corruption. Cover me with your holiness and purity. Defend me from all assaults against my heart. Lord, I put on the belt of truth. I choose a lifestyle of honesty and integrity. Expose the lies I have believed and show me the truths I need today. I choose to live for the gospel in every moment. Show me where you are working and lead me to it. Give me strength to walk daily with you. I believe that you are powerful against every lie and assault of the enemy. Nothing is coming today that can overcome me because you are with me. Holy Spirit, show me the truths of the word of God that I will need to counter the traps of the enemy. Bring those scriptures to mind today. Finally, Holy Spirit, I agree to walk in step with you in everything as my spirit communes with you in prayer throughout the day. It's through Jesus' name we pray. Amen.